Hebrews 10, 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Someone say ouch to that. You don't see that preached often. But you need to hear that. You need to understand grace. You need to understand truth. So listen, let me, instead of breaking down Hebrews chapter 10 and explaining what that means, even though he's talking to Christians, he ends up the entire teaching. No one knows who the Hebrews writer is. Some believe it's the Apostle Paul. But he says, we are not those who shrink back. Because the writer is talking about judgment coming upon those who trample on the Son of God all over again by calling themselves Christians and still living a life of sin. So here's a solid foundation of what discipleship looks like. I'm sort of going to give it to you from a Bill Reeser perspective of how I got discipled and sort of the key passages that I look at not just once a year but throughout the year. And you may not know this, but 75 to 80% of all the messages that I preach come out of all these scriptures that I'm going to give you right now. First of all, everyone should have a clear understanding of grace and truth and sin by reading Romans 1 through 8. You've got to be well-versed. You should be reading the first eight chapters of Romans if you struggle with sin, you need to know what those first eight chapters say. You need to know what the apostle says about grace, about the Holy Spirit, about sin, about the wages of death, about how God demonstrates his love for us in this, that he died for us, what it says about hope, what it says about perseverance. You need to know everything about grace and truth in Romans 1 through 8. Then... You need to know exactly what Jesus says in John 14 through 17. Actually, John 14 through 16. You need to understand what it means to love Jesus. Because you can't be discipled without loving Jesus. And Jesus gives you a definition of what love is when he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll abide in me. And you'll bear much fruit. You need to know every single word from the context of grace and truth and obedience in John 14, 15, and 16. And then, if you think you're on the right path, read 1 John and ask the Holy Spirit how your life lines up with 1 John. And then, read Psalm 119 and ask the Holy Spirit if there's any verse that my heart doesn't agree with, that means you've got to start all over again. That means you've got to start all over again. Now, when you, when you get through Romans, John 14 and 16, 1 John, the book of Ephesians will give you the affirmation and application to live a life above sin and be the best disciple you can be. You need those identity and eternal destination statements about your life and the Holy Spirit and the power that's available to you and the application of how to live that life in all six chapters of Ephesians. Galatians will give you the best reminder of how important the power of the Holy Spirit is to the life of the disciple. We're going to cover that next week.
We don't have time tonight. I'm not even a quarter done through the introduction. Galatians will also tell you how to stay away from legalistic carnal Christians that deny the power of God in their lives. On top of that, you need the first five anchors of encounter applied to your life so that you have a, a great foundation in Christ so that now your entire pathway moving forward is all about discipleship and victory. So anchor one, you've got to make the decision to get well from your problems and brokenness and admit that you do a terrible job at playing God. You've got to get out of the pool of denial, out of the garden of lies, and finally make decision, I want to get well, and I'm going to do what Jesus tells me to do. Anchor two, believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. You've got to let faith rise up. You've got to walk by faith. You've got to live by faith. You've got to believe by faith. You've got to pray by faith. You've got to declare by faith. You've got to prophesy by faith. You've got to speak by faith in order to rise above whatever gets thrown at you this year because your response always has to be by faith. You've got to walk by faith, not by sight. And anchor three, you've got to respond to the, love, to the love of God by putting my faith and trust in what? The finished work of Christ. Because if you don't understand the finished work of Christ, how are you going to learn the finished work of Christ? Romans 1 through 8. When you understand the finished work of Christ, then you'll live the crucified life of Christ, and that's discipleship. You don't have to know everything to be a disciple. You just have to be on the discipleship track. And anchor four, once you trust in the finished work of Christ, now you can believe and receive your new identity as a Christian. You don't have to listen to what the world tells you you are. You are who Christ says you are, period. You're a child of the king, and you're loved, and you're highly favored. You're a royal priesthood. Once you were not a people, now you are a people of God. Once you were not forgiven, now you are forgiven. That's your identity. Listen, when someone comes up to you and says, who are you? Who are you? Blow their minds by saying this, I'm forgiven. That's who I am. What about you? Are you forgiven? I'm forgiven. You know what that means? I'm going to heaven. Because doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how bad you are, doesn't matter how many church services you go to, doesn't matter how much you pray, how much you give, I'm forgiven. Only the forgiven go to heaven, and those that have been forgiven much love much. By the way, I'm loved, and I'm able to love because I'm a child of the God, and how great is the, is the love the Father has lavished on me that I should be called a child of the one true king. That's who you are. You got to know who you are. I am who I uh, I am who God says I am because the great I am said I am, green eggs and ham. Amen? Amen? All right. Got to know your identity. And then the fifth one, this is where people bail. This is where people run. Got to get honest about my past and let the Holy Spirit reveal and rip out the root issues of my life. You got to, listen, you know, you, know, you know what the best part about Christianity is? You can finally, once and for all, get, get, get honest with yourself, with God, and other people in your life. I've been on the phone for two days with, just, with people who don't want to get honest with each other and with God. It's so funny to me sometimes because, you know, I, spent, I get it because I spent an entire, I spent a lot of years apart from Jesus, not honest with myself. I lived a double life. 
I, I was miserable. It's hard living one life. I was living a double life. The life I wanted people to see and the life I really was. And both were miserable. But when I got saved and God knew everything about me, my wife forgave me despite me. Jesus forgave me despite me. Loved me despite me. Whoa! Who could turn down that offer? Okay, I told Jesus the first night, Lord, I'm all in. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do just as long as I know it's you. God started to speak to me that night. I've never looked back. Have I, have I been a perfect disciple? Of course not. Have I, have I blown it? Of course I have. Have I sinned? Of course I have. But where sin abounds, even that much, that much more grace abounds, but I don't abuse the grace of, I don't abuse God's grace. That's the key. So listen, I got to get honest about my past so that the Holy Spirit can reveal and rip out the root issues. So what does it mean to be a disciple? Let me give you my good friend Marty Walker who opened up his church where we started the encounter in California. I believe, I, I don't know if there's a better definition of this. He said, this is what it means to be a disciple. Look at it, look up on the screen. He says, to be a disciple is to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday and to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I was today. Why don't we say that together? To be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, and to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I was today. You know, one of the greatest compliments you could ever get is when someone walks up to you and says, Mr. West, you mind me of Jesus. You mind me of Jesus. Eduardo, you remind me of Jesus. You remind me of Jesus. You remind me of Jesus. And people can look at you and say, there's something about you. I can't put my finger on it. What's that joy that you have? When you walk with God, people will see Christ. Listen, I'm 62 years old. I don't have much to offer anymore. I will tell you this, that the only attractive thing in me to my wife is the Holy Spirit in me. Trust me. <laughs> but when I let the Holy Spirit work through me, oh man, he bruises on. <laughs> he bruises. It's percolating. I'm blushing. Give me a second to blush here. Peter puts it this way grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Growing grace and truth. So a lot of times we, th now let me switch gears a little bit. A lot of times we're thinking that we're waiting on God to change us. No, let me say this. God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you to embrace discipleship. Did you catch that? God's waiting on you. Now listen, you can't talk about discipleship transformation without the word change. Now, when I say the word change, some of you just got a muscle cramp because <laughs> you don't like to change, okay? I, I, listen, I've sat in that seat for the past 13 years. I ain't changing. <laughs> we don't like change. We're happy. Listen, I love what Mark Batterson says. If you want to you break a bad habit, establish a prayer habit. You got to do something different. You got to do something opposite of what you think is the right thing to do, and the opposite of what you think is the right thing to do is what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you to do through God's word. And 
change, transformation, and discipleship is going to happen when you get intentional. You got to have a plan. You got to be intentional. You have to make intentional choices in order to grow. Now, in order to grow, you got to understand some things. You may want to write this down. It's in your handout. It's on the screen. There is no growth without change. There is no change without loss. And there is no loss without pain. You have to understand that. See, if you're going to grow, you're going to have to change. And change means you let go of some old things in order to grab hold of some new things. What are you letting go of? It means you have to put some things... If you're going to get discipled, it means you have to put things in your life in God's great recycling bin. What are you going to put in God's great recycling bin? Hurts, wrongs, abuse, mistakes, guilt, shame. And then you got you to do it by faith. And Anchor 2 says, believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. You have to have a strong foundation of hope to get on and stay on God's pathway and invitation of discipleship and God's school of character development because if you're going to get discipled, you have to enlist and apply by the blood of Jesus and enroll in God's school of character development. There's no skipping out on this class if you're going to embrace discipleship. What am I talking about? Romans 5. Again, you got to know Romans. You got to know this stuff. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 